Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us. We hope that you can come back time and time again. And especially, we give honor this morning to our grandparents. Grandparent, and proud of it. How about standing? Uh, we'll set in your honor and uh, stand there for just a moment. I want all the rest of us to look. One of these miles like. Be sure services today, if you're a grandparent and you have your grandchild here, or if you're a grandchild and you have your grandparent here, we want you to be sure and come down immediately after services and stand here on the steps or down front, and there'll be a picture taken from the rear of the building, and we'd like to have that as a keepsake. Be sure and participate in that, if you will. When we think about the blessing that God gives us of creating not only a to have a relationship with Him, but even relationships within our family. It's oftentimes said among young parents to say, you know, I just couldn't imagine how it would be to have your own child and to hold your child and to have that bond that grows between a child and a parent. And then to hear grandparents discuss of how there's no relationship quite like the relationship between a grandparent and a grandchild. Hasn't God blessed us richly? as He has created various generations for us to share in relationships. E. Claude Gardner was president of Fried Hardeman University when I attended there. I grew to love and even highly respect E. Claude Gardner. It was very interesting to me, about ten years ago, flipping through a publication, I saw that he wrote a short article. article was entitled, Father's Will. Now, of course, knowing him and loving and respecting him a lot more to me because I thought to myself, what is it that a man like President E. Claude Gardner, what is it that he would desire for his family? I want to read to you things that this grandfather would hope that his grandchildren would obtain in their life. Number one, number two, be active in the church to Christ. Number three, acquire a thorough knowledge of the Bible. Number four, learn to give liberally of their income. Number five, have an evangelistic zeal. I'll mention a few others from 6 through 20. It's to be full of gratitude and show us and be honest in all things, and learn the spirit of obedience, show courage, be industrious, respectful of others, law-abiding citizens, to be happy and have a pleasing personality, to develop leadership qualities and obtain a high-quality education, learn a skill or profession, become committed to healthy living, enjoy a balanced recreation, and establish a Christian home. You know, I would think that almost any faithful Christian would have at least those three that he listed as his top three, as any grandparent's top three wishes for their grandchildren. Remember, number one was when he said to become a Christian when of the age of All Christian grandparents would desire that. Number two, as he said, to be active in the Lord's church and to be faithful. All Christian grandparents would no doubt place that second. And then, as in the third spot, he placed the idea of learning more of God's Word. For just a moment, think with me. What did he say for? Isn't it interesting that a man that I think has tremendous wisdom, 
out of all of the wishes that he would have for his grandchildren, the fourth wish was generously. He didn't just say, I want He didn't just say, stated, I want you to learn to generously. Friends, this morning I need to begin by realizing that generously is not something by nature. It's not something that so easily acquired. But it's something that is learned, just as we think about maybe some subjects in high school or in college that challenge skilled area of profession. And we say, how did that person become that? And we know that the answer is they obtained it over time. They learned to become those. This morning, if I can admit to my God that I haven't is willing to give generously, it might either my heart isn't right or I haven't learned. just riding right off the platform of that lesson to develop this lesson. You see, we looked at the Sermon on the Mount last week, and we looked at the middle chapter, Matthew the sixth chapter. Almost from the beginning to the end of the chapter, he talked about what we would do with our possessions. He told us we cannot serve two masters. We either will love the one and hate the other, or we'll hold or be loyal to one, and we'll despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon, and mammon is money, it's possessions. And then we looked at the fact that God's concerned about the motive of our giving. Is it to be seen of men, or is it to not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing? And then we looked at the fact that we need to lay a foundation of giving that we will reap for an eternity to come. Not treasure up things on earth, but treasure up things in heaven. And then naturally the question would arise. Well, what about providing for myself? What about providing for my family? And it's there in the last half of Matthew, the sixth chapter, he addresses that as he says, aren't the lilies of the field taken care of? Hasn't God taken care of? So capably read for us. Note what he says. is in the context in the context of giving. Now there are many passages that we can make proper application into other areas of life. He's using this verse. He's using this verse as he how people view their possessions.
little pop quiz, and then the teacher would say, okay, now everybody pass your paper to the person behind you and grade the test. You remember that? And so, you know, if you were dumb, you always hated that because all the other kids are going to know you're dumb, you know. But if you're smart, I guess that was pretty good. I never knew whether or not that was. And so, you know, everybody else looks around and, and they grade the other person's test. And, you know, you're thinking about that person ahead of you. Hey, they're not getting this. You know, we've been going over this for a week and they missed number two, they missed number four, they missed number six. It's easy to grade somebody else's test. You know, you can mark them wrong and not really feel that bad about it. Okay, so, so you got your checkbook. Here it is. You hand it over. You don't even know the person. They don't know you. What will they know about your relationship with God? What will they know about your relationship with God? Just by reading your checkbook. Will they see that you seek God first? Will they see that you have learned, learned to be a generous giver? If you will, Jeff, back up one slide. And I know I misled you there as I went to Matthew 6, so that's my fault. That young lady right there, she looks awful happy to me. Why do we have on the slide this morning a very, very happy young lady when we're talking about giving? If you believe God, you don't even have to ask that question. If you believe God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you take God at His Word, you know that there's nothing that brings more joy in life than to be a generous person. As a matter of fact, this morning, not only can we take a checkbook test, but we also can take a God test. Do we believe God when He says, through the mouth of His Son, Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive? Do I really believe that if I want to bring some of the greatest joy into my life, it's finding a, a life where possessions aren't to be owned, they're to be bestowed, they're to be used, they're to be used to the glory of God and to learn that. Matthew, the sixth chapter, as we advance here. Matthew, the sixth chapter, you notice at least three things in Matthew, the sixth chapter, and we'll develop two of them, linking the last two together this morning. As we look at Matthew, the sixth chapter, he said, Seek first. That deals with priority. In other words, we're talking about. In other words, is it first in ranking? Is it first that it comes in chronological order as first? Is it first as in most important? God says when it comes to using our possessions, He better come first. Now, second thing that we see here is that He says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you remember Matthew, the 16th chapter, He spoke about the kingdom of heaven. As He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Notice that word, church. In case of hell, should not prevail against it. But the very next verse, he says to Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus do there? Jesus used the kingdom of heaven and the word church interchangeably. And so here in Matthew, the sixth chapter, the church has not been yet established in Acts 2, but he's speaking in a prophetic form as he speaks to us living under the Christian dispensation. He says, I want you to seek first. Now he's talking about possessions. 
how we use the possessions to what? To glorify the Lord's church. In other words, in a prophetic sense, the Lord is teaching here about how we give our offerings on Sunday. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and what? His righteousness, the standard. How many times have we heard individuals say, well, now, nowhere in the New Testament does it teach us to tithe, so therefore you just got to figure out what's right. Friends, there is nothing in our life spiritually that God turns over to us and says, good luck. <laughs> you just figure it out. Can you imagine? Why do we do that when it comes to giving? God speaks on giving. God says plenty on giving. And if my idea of, well, giving is just between me and nobody else, God has said plenty on giving. And I need to make sure that what God has said on giving is what I learn and what I implement in my life from a heart that has already given its whole life to God. And we'll look at that in future weeks. Let's look at one of the first stories of giving in the Bible. If you will, look back with me to Genesis, the fourth chapter. Genesis, the fourth chapter. As we look at Genesis, the fourth chapter, I'd like for you to think with me about what the first three chapters were about. Genesis, the first chapter, is about God, how God created it all. Genesis 2 is about mankind. Where did man fall into all of this that was created? Genesis 3 is about Satan. Look at the evil one that came into the garden and look what he did separating us from God as mankind committed sin. Now, do you see what we're doing here? The introductions are out of the way. Chapter 1 about God. Chapter 2 about mankind. Chapter 3 about Satan. Now the drums are rolling. What's going to be the first story in the Bible after the big three are introduced? Isn't it interesting that the first story in the Bible after those three are introduced is a story about two offerings? It just so happens that the two that are capitalized upon here are brothers. And let's read about their offering. We're in Genesis, the fourth chapter, and we're going to begin uh, reading verse 3 and 4. It will at least be on your screen. I'd like to drop back and give the setting out of verse 2. Genesis, the fourth chapter, verse 2. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstlings, or the firstborn of his flock, and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. We have two offerings here. Oftentimes, it is said, well, now, what we see taking place is that God must have asked Abel and Cain to offer a blood offering. And therefore, Cain chose not to offer the blood offering. Therefore, God rejected him and his offering. This morning, friends, I want to ask you, let's just study the Bible. Let's not study what people add to it or take away from it. Let's just study the Bible. Let's go back and let's review and see what God said about the offerings. As we drop back, we see first in the second verse, what was their occupation? We see that Abel was one that was a shepherd. We see that Cain was one that did the row cropping. He went out and made his living growing 
whether it was fruits or vegetables or things of the earth. You know, when we read further into the Bible, we see that tithing, as we go into the Old Testament, was a command where each would take the first, the tenth of what was produced, and they would give it back to God. That seems to be much more what is taking place here. But still, let's go back and let's see what the Scriptures say. As we look here, we see in their offering, in verse 3, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. It said this simple. Cain brought an offering. What was his offering? Well, it's fruit of the ground. That's what he made his living. Cain brought an offering. Now let's pause this morning. Well, I guess you'll just have to work it out. Cain worked it out, didn't he? He brought exactly what Cain wanted to bring. Now let's just see if Cain bringing exactly what Cain wanted to bring is going to be sufficient with God. Now let's go to the next verse and let's see what Abel did. Abel also brought an offering. It doesn't say that, does it? See, it amazes me sometimes how we skip over what is taught and we try to teach what isn't even implied. There's nothing implied here about being a blood offering. What is taught here? One just brought an offering. And the other one brought of the firstborn of the flock. That's talking about by birthright, the first. In other words, he went out to his lambs and he took the firstborns and he brought them and he gave them to God. In other words, he wasn't looking around saying, well, now, I wonder how I feel like giving today. I wonder what's left over at the end of my flock. Well, you know, there, there's a ewe over there and she's already born 14 lambs and, and she's really looking pitiful and she limps on a split hoof up front and, and her, her wool is getting kind of mangy. Hey, she's not going to be a great benefit to me very longer. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to give her to the Lord. You ever thought there was something wrong when churches make announcements that they need coats, but please do not bring coats that are worn out and torn? What's wrong with that? I mean, that's wrong heart. God never asked for the last. God, from the beginning has always asked for the first. The first. Not just the first. Notice what else he did. Let's read further in verse 4. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat. Fat here has to do with increase. It has to do with abundance. Abel not only went and gathered the sheep that were the firstborn, but then he went around and he gathered off the increase. As you move further into the Bible, that's the idea of tithing. You give off the increase. He did it two ways. He says, I'm going to give to God my firstborn, and I'm going to give to God the increase thereof. And so if we've pictured in our mind one little lamb, I dare say we've missed it because in just a moment we'll see in Hebrews 11th chapter, he says there's a plurality of gifts that Abel gave to God. In other words, you can imagine Abel's altar here, and Abel's altar is full of lambs here that he is giving as an offering to God. And over here... We have poor old Cain. All he has is just an offering. It must not have been the first of his crops, or no doubt it would have said it. It must not have been of the fat, the increase of his crops, or no doubt it would have said it. Let's read and see what God's response to an offering that wasn't the first offering and it wasn't of the increase, it was just an offering. It was what he felt that day would be a good gift to give to God. And here's how we read Genesis, the fourth chapter, verse 6 and 7. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? 
And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, you see what's happening? God is saying there, Cain, you didn't do so well in your offerings today. Instead of Cain saying, God, I'm so sorry I disappointed you. What do I need to do to make it right? His heart isn't to make it right with God. And God's saying, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Yes or no, according to the Scriptures, did Cain do well? No. Cain brought an offering. He gave it to God. He didn't do well. Abel, on the other hand, brought an offering and he did exceedingly well. Well, what was the difference? One was of the first. One was of the abundance. The other was just an offering. And God even talks this over with him and says, you remember last Sunday morning? We talked about the back room where when you fall in love with money, 1 Timothy the 6th chapter, it's like Satan inviting you to the back room and he starts luring you with all of these things that riches can offer. And the truth is, you're starting to be snared. You're starting to be entrapped and entangled. And you realize, I need to get out of here. Do you see that in a sense, that's what God is saying right here. He's saying, Cain, listen to me. Sin is lying at the door. Buddy, you need to get this right right now. Because you're about to step out of this situation. And if you step out of this situation without getting it right, sin has just captured you. Don't let covetousness rule over you, Cain. Instead, you rule over it. Now we could read just a few more verses and say, wouldn't it have been great if God would have told us how He responded to Abel's? So we see his response to Cain's offering. He says, I won't accept the offering and I won't accept the man. He rejected the offering and the man. Well, it would be neat if we could read and say, well, what did he think about Abel's offering? Well, he did. We just got to go a few thousand years. was righteous.
40 years and they gave God the first parts of their increase. In other words, they were given a new land and God got the first part. Except then you read the next chapter. Oh, Achan just couldn't stand it. This got him. And while he was in there destroying everything, he took a little bit of gold, a little bit of silver, and he took one change of clothing and he went and he hid it under his tent. They went out to the next battle of Ai. They were defeated. They questioned God as to why this would happen. And God says, get the devoted thing out of your camp. They begin to question the people. Who? See, the devoted thing was God's part. Who has stolen God's portion? Finally, Achan comes forward. He says, you'll find it buried under my tent. They gathered Achan. They gathered his whole family. They gathered all of his possessions. They stoned him and burned them all. They purified their camp to give God back His portion. Then God gave them orders again. Now march into Ai. And this is yours. See, it was second. You can have this. Do as I said, destroy all the life. But you can keep. You can keep some gold and silver. You can get you some change of clothing now. Forty years, you can have some reward. But give God His first. They go in, and they obtain theirs. Now please get this. Don't, don't wander off on me here. What do they do when they get their increase? They've already given God the first. They gave Him Jericho. Now what are they going to do of their increase? They get done obtaining all this, and the next at the end of that chapter we see that they gathered together, they built an altar, and they bought, brought offerings to give to God. They'd already given Him the first. Now they're going to give Him of their increase. God's given us this, I'm going to take this lamb, and I'm going to offer it to God. Well, we were able to grab some of these calves, and I'm going to take one of these calves, and I'm going to give it to God. Friends, from the very beginning of time, God's people have always given God the first. God's people have always given God of their increase. I want to challenge you this morning. If you write your church check after all the other checks have been, wrong, have been written, you're doing it wrong. God's part comes first. And it's so much easier to write that check first and give of a cheerful heart. Let everything else come from what's left. Give God His part first. And give God from the abundance that He gives you. This morning... Think back to three years ago in a day. And we could start around the room and say, where were you? And everybody here would know where you were. It was the day that we as Americans were reminded that there's a lot more important things on this earth than possessions. And you know, just as staggering as 9-11 was, there's coming another day that we'll stand before God on the day of judgment. We'll be reminded even more so and all that matters is that God is my master. That's it. That's all that matters. And one of the things that God has said since the very beginning of time, you prove who your master is by how you give. I hope. Now I know if some of you are young spiritually, you may doubt this. But if you'll stay with God over time, you'll understand this. 
This lesson this morning and last week isn't just about dollars. Friends, God doesn't need our money. This lesson is about us growing spiritually. People have never been faithful to God that have not given God the first and of their abundance that He has blessed them. This morning, let's go home and let's do some study and let's do some prayer. Let's do some deep meditation. Let's have a pure heart as we decide, am I really giving God what's first? And am I really giving Him of the fat or the increase? And let's make sure that anybody could pick up our checkbook. Anybody, including God. And He'd know God's first in our book. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness. This morning, if you haven't given God your life, won't you have His Son as your Savior this morning? Won't you be baptized into Christ for the remission of those sins? Won't you come out of that water ready to live for Him, placing Him first in everything? Maybe you have been baptized into Christ and you struggle to get things in the right priority. We've all been there struggling to either get things or even to keep things in the right priority. This morning, let's dedicate our heart, let's dedicate our life to saying, no matter what changes I need to make in my life, I'll do it for God. Seek first God. If we can help you anyway, come as we stand, as we sing.